This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 1059. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas underway and includes a flying car and some self-driving farm equipment. We'll learn more in our next segment, but right now on this Personal Finance Wednesday, parents who are financially supporting their adult children are at risk of postponing their own retirement. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group in Chicago. His website, EngageWealthGroup.com. Ed, thank you for joining us today. And what is the most common form of financial arrangement between a parent and their adult child? Well, I would say, Rob, in my experience, it's, it's literally cash and support, right? So kids are in a bind for one reason or another. Uh, they ask their parents for help, and then the parents, you know, feel obligated to help their children, right? We don't want to see our kids fail. So Literally, just direct gifts to children are probably the number one area that that parents support their kids. So basically, uh, we'll help you pay your rent. We're going to pay your cell phone bill, your cable bill, uh, or or just pay all of them entirely. Well, and so this is time and place. So doing this as long as I have, we've had experiences in economic cycles where the pressure on parents is even greater. And now remember, Rob, these aren't kids. These aren't children in their 18 to 23, 24-year-olds. I've had, I've had children, uh, children of our, my adult clients in their 40s and in their 50s reaching out to their parents for help. And this is where it gets a little bit of a challenge in terms of are you on your own two feet? Are you trying to keep up with your standard of living and relying on your parents and their frugalness and their savings to support your lifestyle? These are the difficult, challenging conversations we often have with our clients in terms of their desire to support their kids, but not at the not at the risk of, of detrimental financial detrimental, if you would, for their own financial well-being. We're talking to Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner about parents uh, financially supporting their adult children. At one point, though, this becomes toxic for the parents. This is forcing them to delay their retirement or their own financial goals. And do you wean your adult children off of the financial pipeline or do you just rip that Band-Aid off? Yeah, it's, 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 it's more of an approach, right? So again, most of the parents that we work with, right, they feel bad for their kids for one reason or the other. And there are life circumstances that happen to people, whether it's losing a job or divorce or something that's unexpected. That's one element. The other element is, hey, we want to keep our lifestyle, mom and dad, can you please support us? 
And so one of the strategies we've used with our clients in the past is if we have an adult child who continually berates their, their parents for money, what we often guide the client to say is, hey, my certified financial planner would like to, to invite you to fill out a spending plan so I can see where you're spending your money and if you really need this money. And I can tell you 99.9% .9 of the time, that conversation stops. And, and so, uh, yes. I was going to say, on. out of curiosity, uh, as a financial planner, do you say you earn your money as being the bad cop in these types of situations? Uh, we tell our clients continually, use us as a shield. If you don't want to have that difficult conversation, we'd be more than happy to have that conversation with those around you who are trying to pull money from your back pocket. Because again, we want to protect our clients first and foremost. And that emotionality of trying to support your children is really important. We never want to negate that. But is this, again, supporting your children because your adult child, because they're having a difficult situation, or again, because they're short on cash because their lifestyle is actually higher than that of our clients? Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner, founder of the Engage Wealth Group in Chicago. Find him online at engagewealthgroup.com. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, a flying car that's not the product of science fiction. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. There are some wildly interesting vehicles on display at this year's Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Let's find out about some of them from Carl Prouty, the technologist at Apt Electronics in Glenview. Carl, thank you for joining us today. And you have made a discovery, or it is on display at CES, that has answered an age-old question about the future. And that is, we live in the future. Where's my flying car? And sounds like, Carl, we have an answer. Yeah, so we actually we saw a car from Xpeng, and it has basically four rotors built into it, each with twin props, and it can fly. It's a, it's a supercar. They're touting it as a supercar that can fly. And when you're done using the propellers, they actually tuck away into the top of the car. Now, the design of it is uh, it's eye-catching, to say the least. It's certainly, uh, it certainly has a unique look. Uh, so it's, it may not be for everybody, but just the, the uh, fact that it can fly is pretty incredible. Now, is it loud? I mean, I would. Is this like the basically you get inside a flying Lamborghini uh, that sounds like an airboat? I mean, <laughs> have they done that level of demonstration? They're, no, they're not turning the props fully on. You can see them rotate, um, but they don't turn them fully on. My guess, just based on if you've ever heard a drone flying around, it's going to be that, but times quite a bit more. So my guess is they're going to produce a fair amount of noise, but. I think the way they're going to build these things is you're going to be tucked inside that cabin and you're probably not going to hear all that much of it on the outside. And then uh, in terms of uh, other kind of technological breakthroughs with vehicles, uh, it seems like uh, uh, John Deere has finally uh, made it so that you don't have to work on Maggie's farm no more. Uh, the robot will do it for you. Yeah, you know, their, their display was really incredible. So they have it set up right now where they have a tractor running in uh, – uh, Austin, Texas. Sorry, I forgot the name there for a second. So down in Austin, Texas, and they're they're basically controlling it, stopping and starting from a button here at the show in Las Vegas. And the idea is to allow farmers to basically be far more productive and not have to physically be in the tractors to do their work. And the idea is going to be that eventually you'll be able to set up the route 
remotely as well. Right now, they have to kind of pre-program a route for it. But in the future, they'll be able to adjust things real time. So if you need to avoid an obstacle with the tractor, you'll be able to do that without having to, you know, go into a computer and really plan it out. And this is a, a huge time saver, especially given the fact that uh, uh, most you know, large farms are just gigantic. Uh, you know, there, there's just so much land involved in them. And if you can just program the robot to do all the work on the acreage uh, that, that would previously belong to a person, that person can do other things. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it's going to make everything way more efficient than just, I, I think in the end, benefit everybody. We're talking to Carl Prouty, the technologist at Apt Electronics uh, in Glenview, but right now uh, live on the floor of the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. And, of course, uh, when it comes to AI, uh, it's now showing up in your car's dashboard. Yeah, Mercedes actually has implemented it really well in theirs. Uh, They're kind of known already for a little bit of the AI that they implement in their cars, but what they're bringing for the future is... It's like a more empathetic type of AI for your car. So you're going to be able to sort of communicate with it like you would another person. So it's designed to kind of, you know, if you're having a bad day, kind of pick you up a little bit and just sort of respond to the way you're feeling, which is, I think, fantastic. It uh, calms you down while you're driving. It just, I think that's going to benefit a ton, a ton of drivers. If you've ever sat in Chicago traffic for a while, it can, you know, it can, it can uh, lower your mood a little bit, and this is really designed to help with that type of stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, has this thing been tested yet, the empathetic AI in the Mercedes-Benz? Has this been tested on the Outbound Kennedy on a Friday afternoon? <laughs> uh, that would probably be the ideal place to test it out. <laughs> I'm imagining they spent a little bit of time out there. But at the same time, this also seems like a, a, a safety feature in that, I mean, there are so many buttons and so many things you're playing around with on the dashboard of a 21st century vehicle that if the AI can predict where your fingers are going to be going you can keep your eyes on the road absolutely and that's that's one of the other points that they really make with that technology is it keeps everyone you included and everyone around you safer because you're not focused on something else going on in your car you're focused on driving and kind of letting the car do all that you know that's all that extra stuff well, we'll let you get back to uh, all the toys at CES. Carl Prouty, the technologist at Apt Electronics in Glenview, uh, in, Las Vag- in Las Vegas for the Consumer Electronics Show convention. Coming up next, office vacancy in downtown Chicago ends the year at another record high. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The end of the year office vacancy rate in downtown Chicago came in at record levels. And that's part of a nationwide trend. Let's dig deeper on the local situation with Jennifer Waters, Chicago-based business writer. Jennifer, thank you for joining us today. The uh, vacancy Rob. rate in the Central Business District uh, now at 23.8%. That's an all-time high. Uh, that's a little bit higher in compared to the end of the third quarter. And it just seems like working from home uh, for two days out of the week or more is here to stay. And downtown Chicago has to learn to live with it. Well, that that may or may not be the truth, Rob, because so many companies have said they were they are going to demand that their workers come back to the office and that they're going to tie their office attendance into their performance review. So we'll see how that pans out. UPS just said yesterday in the spring, everybody's coming back five days a week and, you know, and they're following other major corporations who've done it 
Goldman, Google, all those. So we'll see how that pans out. But yes, you're right. You know, the remote work has really, really put a toll on downtown office space. Vacancy rates are, as you you mentioned, at record highs. This reflects what's going on nationwide. It's about 20% nationwide. Some of this is is because of this. I mean, we've got, you know, we've we've got the remote work, but we also have things like, you know, companies for before the pandemic were looking to reduce their footprints a little bit by going from a, you know, the big office building or big offices that people would have into more open areas. And when they do when they did that, when they kind of redid these new layouts, that didn't demand as much office space. So we've seen some of that going, but we're also seeing footprints shrink right now because of the remote work and because, you know, at least expirations. We're also seeing a lot of buildings going back to lenders, which, it, you know, then also, you know, you know, keeps the problem worse. So that's the problem. But one of the other things I wanted to mention is some of this has to do with overbuilding in the 80s and the 90s, even as far back as the 50s and 60s, some of those buildings. If you look at where the vacancy rates are the highest right now, it is in those older buildings. And when you think about um, the bulk of of that kind of building that went on in the 80s. Think about this, those huge suburban office parks, Motorola, Walgreens. Think about those that are now shrinking and, and you know, what all that is. So some of this is, is has been going on for years, but obviously the pandemic, remote work, all of that has really accelerated it. And we'll see if companies are successful in bringing people back to the office. But, you know, if they're not, we this and what we'll see first and foremost is more of this to come in the next year or so. But then, you know, if companies are successful, we might see some vacancies starting to go away. And then very quickly, it seems like it seems like there are a number of cross currents here. You do have some of the big Fortune 500 firms that are requiring people to come back five Mm -hmm. days a week, uh, full go. But even then, you know, maybe the smaller ones or firms that would classify as a small business, uh, are they going to follow that trend? And and that represents a not insignificant amount of commercial real estate square footage. So exactly. We've talked about this before where, you know, the bigger companies are in the bigger, the, uh, you know, shinier spaces. And then the smaller companies tend to be in in older buildings and smaller spaces. So, yeah, that's that's a big concern. I mean, can they follow it? I think if the trend, if somehow the, the national trend leads to going back to work five days a week, sure, then they might be able to follow it. But it's it's tough to say. I mean, I, personally, I don't want to go back into an office five days a week. You know, I don't mind. I wouldn't mind two or three days a week. But and I think that's kind of what I hear a lot from people out there. Jennifer Waters, Chicago-based business writer, thank you for joining us today. Still ahead in Personal Finance Wednesday, how to help your kids buy a home. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. This is Mike Krauser. Oak Lawn targets bus companies bringing asylum seekers. Negotiations toward a budget deal in Washington hit another bump in the road. In Personal Finance Wednesday, strategies for parents looking to help their children in buying a home. An annual ranking of the best jobs in the U.S. is out. WBBM Business. The markets are higher. The Dow up 44. NASDAQ up 74, S&P 500 up 13. AccuWeather says for the rest of today, mainly cloudy, blustery, temperatures nearly steady between 30 and 35 degrees. We have 32 degrees right now at 1231, topping our news at the half hour. Oak Lawn is among the latest group of communities taking action to prevent unscheduled drop-offs of asylum seekers. The details from WBBM's Mike Krauser. An ordinance amending the Village of Oak Lawn Village code relative to chartered transportation and unscheduled stops. Mayor Terry Vorderer spoke after a handful of people expressed negative opinions about the migrant situation. We are a welcoming community and we are a diverse community. But again, we do not have the resources uh, to deal with buses that are dropped off many people that are seeking a better life. The vote requiring bus companies to get special permits to make drop-offs passed unanimously. Mike Krauser, News Radio 105.9 WBBM. House Speaker Mike Johnson has agreed to a $1.59 trillion discretionary spending plan for the next fiscal year, but he's getting pushback from conservatives in his own party. More from CBS News correspondent Nicole Killian. Spending stopgap measure or a CR, a continuing resolution, may be needed to try to bridge the gap here despite reaching this spending agreement because now that this top-line figure has been agreed to, they still have to slice of the pie and allocate this funding over several uh, various appropriations bills uh, and, you know, make everything uh, translate in terms of correlating uh, with that top line number. And the bottom line is that just takes some work. And it's not that there is a lack of uh, willingness to do it, but it is something that just can't happen overnight with a snap of a finger. Congress has until January 19th to approve appropriation measures to keep the government open. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are gaining ground today. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist with B. Riley Financial based in New York. Art, thank you for joining us today. And as 2023 wound to a close, there was a big rally uh, that was pinned on, under, underpinned by the idea that the Fed was going to begin uh, cutting interest rates, at least three interest rate cuts in 2024. And that's what all the all the positions were based on. Now, we have a, a consumer price index report out tomorrow. Uh, what potential exists, the possibility exists, that uh, a, a, a surprise CPI number could derail that momentum and uh, scramble everybody's thinking? 
Yeah, that's such a great question, Rob. And and you're right. I think uh, the fact that the Fed pivoted uh, from hawkish to dovish and, and actually started talking about rate cuts for the first time in this cycle was important to the rally. I would also argue what was important to the rally was the fact that we saw the U.S. 10-year move uh, from 5% down to 4% to close out the year. And that certainly added to the risk on attitude. So the, it's important now that, remember, the, the first time that anyone thinks the Fed might cut, and this is not coming from the Fed themselves, it's coming from the Fed Fund's futures, is in March. So this CPI will be one of three that the Fed will see before they get to their March meeting. So and no single data point is going to derail anything, I don't believe. What it might do is push down the potential for them to cut in March versus in May uh, for the first time. And, and right now there's about a 65% chance that they cut in March. If the CPI comes in a bit higher, I think people start pushing that first rate cut out to May. I don't think it necessarily is going to be that much of an impediment to this market because what we're really going to start to focus on starting tomorrow and into the next couple of weeks is earnings. And the fourth quarter earnings look to be pretty robust, up at least 4% for the S&P 500 and likely see the same amount of companies beat and raise uh, as we work our way through the earnings season. And I want to ask you about uh, just market behavior. And this is uh, in specifically to the hack of the Twitter slash X account of the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh, some some goof uh, uh, <laughs> took, took control of the account and uh, said that uh, it had given its blessing to a, a Bitcoin exchange traded fund or funds. And then all of a sudden the price of Bitcoin went up by tens of thousands of dollars. Now, you and I, we're baseball fans. You know, you're, I think you're a Red Sox fan, right? And right. you look at um, bogus trade rumors on Twitter. Someone's always trying to pull a fast one on somebody. And it's just the fact that uh, traders uh, in the Bitcoin space uh, didn't take a moment to think, wait a minute, this doesn't necessarily add up before throwing lots of money into it. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the perfect analogy and the perfect point. Just understand, if the SEC is going to make an announcement, it's highly unlikely that that will first show up on any social media. It's, it's highly likely that they'll do that through their normal news dissemination, which is their actual website. That's where you'll learn first, and then the news organizations will pick that up and run those headlines. But the SEC isn't likely to be breaking any news on X or Twitter or any other social media. So, you know, taking a step back and looking at the, the, the credible potential for that to have been real likely would have saved a lot of people a lot of money chasing around. There's some $90 million uh, of, of Bitcoin that traded in the, in the very brief time that that looked to be like it was breaking news when it actually wasn't. Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist, B. Riley Financial in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, giving adult children a hand as they look to purchase a home. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and in this segment, we're looking at what parents can do to help their children buy a home. We welcome in Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. Craig, thank Thank you for joining us today. And uh, in in this, this seems like uh, uh, the two types of parenting. Earlier in the show, Craig, we we're talking about uh, how you can gracefully or not so gracefully uh, cut off your adult children after years of paying their cell phone bills or their rent and things like that. Now we're talking about how you can help them buy a home, and that is by assisting them through the down payment. Or are there other ways you can help them? Yeah, you know, this is a very difficult needle to thread because the emotional dynamics of finance run tough. But you're right. Homes are so incredibly expensive that people need help. And there's essentially three ways to do it. First, you can definitely loan a family member money. That can be a loan 
for the down payment. That can literally be creating the mortgage yourself. And all of that can be beneficial. But as you said, if you've got more than one adult child, you really got to be prepared that what you do for one, you might need to do for several. And then when it comes to uh, uh, creating that loan, that intrafamily loan, would this be a loan strictly for the down payment or uh, I mean, if, if, if you're sitting on that type of dough, uh, would this uh, exist in place of the mortgage? And, and is that something that actually happens? That absolutely happens. At the Wealth Management Group, we've helped families structure deals depending on their unique circumstances. Sometimes it's for the down payment. Sometimes it's for the mortgage. Sometimes it's another concept called seller financing. But what's so important is if you're listening and you're having these conversations right now with an adult child about how you can empower them to get that real estate for themselves, for their family, your grandkids, make sure you talk to a professional to draw up the legal documents correctly, charge appropriate interest rates at arm's length, and do the accounting so no one gets jammed up. Interesting question there about the uh, about interest rates uh, because um, if you are getting a loan as the home buyer from the uh, bank of mom and dad or the bank of, of family wealth, uh, does that create some tax implications? I mean, what can you write off if you're getting a loan from your family versus a loan from a financial institution? Well, that's exactly it. I mean, everybody knows that going to the mortgage is going to give you the opportunity to have loan servicing, deductible mortgage interest. If mom and dad want to replicate that mortgage on their own and make it tax deductible, they can, but you're not going to be able to use an interest rate of zero. You're going to have to use the applicable federal rate. There's just documentation that comes into play. But again, Rob, some people don't want to do the loan. Some people just want to make a gift. And the good news is, in 2024, the annual gift amount is up. You can actually do $18,000 per person. So mom and dad, if you want to help your son or daughter out combined, you could give them $36,000 as a down payment. No one has to file. No one has to pay any taxes. I think that's a great second step or an alternative. Now, let's say you have young kids at home and they're several decades away from uh, purchasing a home and you're thinking about, well, what can I do now to help them later? Uh, What are some things you can do now to help them, let's say, 15 or 20 years down the road? Well, I think the first thing is if you know that you want to be in a position to empower your kids 15, 20 years down the road, it starts with us, meaning it's you against you, Cisco, me against me. I got to put myself in a fantastic position to achieve financial security so I can empower correctly. But if you wanted something simple, there's no reason that someone couldn't start making annual gifts in smaller amounts to their minor children under a uniform transfer to minors or uniform gift to minors account with the idea that that money would eventually be used for a down payment. But just be mindful, mom or dad, before you set up that bank or investment account, that that money is an irrevocable gift to your son or daughter, and it does become theirs at the age of majority. So you can't guarantee they'll use it. But there's all sorts of creative things that people can do if they contact a financial professional and have a wish list for the future. Craig Bellanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. Thank you for joining us today and join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. Still to come, a look at the top jobs in the U.S. for 2024. 
Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. U.S. News and World Report releasing its annual list of the top jobs for the year. Let's see what's hot with Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert with Robert Half. Michelle, thank you for coming us, to, uh, joining us today. And of course, uh, it seems to be the case every year, healthcare or healthcare adjacent jobs are always the ones that are the most in demand. Yes, thank you, Rob. Um, 2024 shows us that it is still a one of the top three industries in demand from both clinical and non-clinical positions in the healthcare field. And, and what makes them so attractive? Is it just the salary and benefits? Is it the growth potential? Is it the fact that uh, these jobs are always there? So if, if you're told to leave one, there's another one waiting for you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I mean, being in such high demand, obviously, the compensation is very competitive out there, and there are so many different needs that I think you have choices on which areas you can specialize in or focus in. And on top of that, so on on the healthcare side of things, uh, physician's assistant, genetic counselor, occupational therapist, or a dental hygienist. And and I don't know about you, Michelle, but uh, I I would not be a good dental hygienist. I mean, beyond the fact that I I lack formal training, uh, the sound of the water pick would just drive me batty. I'm right there with you, Rob. I don't know that I would pick that as a job as well. But uh, a lot of people do it, and 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 good for you for doing it because it's an in-demand job. And of course, uh, there's also the STEM fields. Uh, not only uh, are they in demand, uh, you can make some serious dough. Yeah, absolutely. I think STEM has been at the forefront for the last few years, and a lot of the jobs that you see, you know, really focus in that financial space, the math space. Um, but obviously, technology also a big hit um, for, you know, has been for years and will be for many years to come. Well, especially on things like IT manager and information security analyst, because essentially uh, every corporation in the world uh, runs through its IT department. And if you're in charge of building that infrastructure and making sure that the data of employees and customers remain safe, I mean, you can basically name your price in that field. Yeah, you know, with technology continuing to develop and change and grow, you know, absolutely, there are new positions. And as a manager, you have to be aware of what those new positions are, recruit for those new positions, train for those new positions, and be able to staff departments to support your company's needs. And then uh, data scientists seems like that could be AI adjacent because, of course, uh, companies are, are, are sifting through terabytes of data on an almost hourly basis. And uh, if you can make those numbers make sense, uh, once again, you're going to be in demand. Yeah, absolutely. You know, both from a financial perspective, which every company, you know, has an accounting and finance department to the, you know, AI and tech sector, um, that data scientist role has been a key one for many, many years and again will be for many years to come. And then one of the other uh, in-demand jobs is actuary. And that seems like it it, it can slot in next to the healthcare uh, positions we we're talking about before. And that is uh, we have an aging population and uh, you have a lot of insurance companies and uh, the actuary can uh, help uh, develop risk profiles. Absolutely. Always been a high demand because it's a very specialized skill set, right? You don't typically find 
a ton of actuaries available in the market. And I would agree as the market continues to age and develop, um, that need and demand will continue to grow as well. Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert with the Robert Half Company in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of the show, just go to our stream and uh, skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.